You're listening to Simmering Thoughts, where we lift the lid and sample slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. This is Ryan Akers. I'm your host. Uh, and you can find me on social media all over the place at BandmanAkers. Uh, I'm there at Gmail. I'm there on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook under my name, Ryan Akers. And our co-host, Chris Dean. Chris, why don't you let us know where we can find you on social media? Hello, world. I spend my time mostly on Twitter, but also on Facebook. On Twitter, I am at Dean Chris, and on Facebook, I'm at Chris Dean. Simple as that. I uh, also want to welcome Chris back to the program. Last week, he was sick, came down with a cold, and then immediately after we recorded, it was my turn, and I took a couple of days out. So hopefully this week, we will both have our voices. I'm feeling a whole lot better. Chris, you doing better? Yes, indeed. Can't wait. Awesome. All right. And you can find us on the web at simmeringthoughts.podbean.com. Dot com. Uh, you can find our podcast all over the place. We are on iTunes, we are on Google Play, and we are also on the Satchel Player. Uh, I was very pleased this last week. I was looking through all of our stats, and we had significantly more listeners on week two than week one, which is an awesome thing. I hope a lot of those folks are coming back. One of the things, one of the actual topics that was among the first ones I'd written down for the podcast was to talk about how we do Bible study and especially how to grow in Bible study uh, and, and thinking about the question, how can we as disciples encourage and develop a love of studying scripture as a discipline with love and encouragement where we're seeking that we grow in the word and not just as a, a, not as a negative discipline, something you have to do or, or like a magic pill to growth and to uh, walking in the word and, and walking with the Lord, uh, it's not just a magic pill. It's, it's a key to it. But how is it that we can encourage folks to do uh, and to grow in how they study the Bible rather than get in into a set pattern or to do uh, a style just because somebody else did uh, and really to find a way uh, to study that works for where you are in your walk? And to do that, uh, one of the folks that I, I thought about is a, a gentleman I've heard quite a bit talk about the word, and uh, I know he's writing about how to study and also writing about why it's important, among other things. Uh, and that is a gentleman who is a pastor in New Hampshire. His name is Nate Pickowitz, and he is joining us tonight. I know you have several books, one that you edited and one that you wrote that have just come out, and uh, your first book as well. If you could go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit more, and uh, if you want to talk about those books a little bit and how they might tie in here. Sure. Again, uh, you said it already, but I'm Nate Pickwitz. I'm the pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm just uh, tremendously uh, blessed to be pastoring uh, the church. We planted this church five years ago. Um, and uh, it's just been a good ride so far. Uh, the Lord has allowed me to, to write as well. I wrote a book last year called Reviving New England. Uh, desire my hope that the Lord would, would do something up here and change uh, uh, the landscape of, uh, of how we are spiritually, uh, revive the church and, and help ministers and help churches to, to grow. Um, I also... I uh, wrote this year a book called Why We're Protestant, which is an introduction to the five solos of the Reformation. 
I've been talking about that quite a bit. Uh, and then on the side, you know, in all my free time, I guess you could say, uh, I've also taken up editing, and I uh, edited together, uh, r revised a, a book that hasn't been in print in over 350 years, uh, a book by John Cotton called Christ, the Fountain of Life. So that book is on there. I, I plan to do more of those, Lord willing, uh, just modernizing uh, Puritans that people haven't read in a long time. So uh, I'm learning a lot about John Cotton. I really like him, and I'm hoping to see more from him. So uh, between uh, that and wife and kids and ministry and writing and whatever else, I uh, keep pretty busy. So uh, that's me in a five-minute five nutshell. <laughs> Nate, welcome to the program. We are thrilled to have you. Uh, I know you and I have interacted for uh, quite a while on, on Twitter uh, and, and have had quite a few private conversations as well about studying, and you've been very helpful to me in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the things I've been exploring over the uh, the last while is the the possibility of, of a call into ministry, and, and we're still exploring that, but uh, Nate's been somebody that I've been able to lean on and talk to. Uh, he helped me as I... As I uh, produce or put together my first sermon he was one of the folks that helped to uh kind of to guide me along and, and took the opportunity to to stand alongside me so i wanted to say thank you for that uh oh, wonderful yeah it's i was it's i love the community christian community on twitter uh, yeah yeah it's great and how they the uh lifting each other up and sometimes i wonder <laughs> this is a totally this is probably a whole nother episode uh but i wonder how we can get that attitude that we sometimes see on Twitter uh, more into our local churches. Now, the things we see on Twitter aren't all good. There are some parts of the <laughs> of the debate sphere uh, on there that aren't so wonderful. Uh, but the the community that builds, uh, I've been been very refreshed by that. Uh, mm, it's, it's an extra definitely. thing that, that I love. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're talking about uh, Bible study today, and you know one of the things I think. Uh, having come to Christ at a young age, I started to read the Bible, but I never really learned how to study the Bible until I was an adult. And it took me uh, really learning how to work through a study Bible is how I first figured it out, uh, how to study and not just read and how to think differently, different questions you might ask yourself as you read to understand the text better. And so I was wondering, was, I'm going to start with Chris for right now, and then, then Nate, if, when he's finished up, if you could jump in as well and expand just things that have been helpful to you, uh, thoughts or things that you've found helpful as you're working with others, especially new believers who are just starting to learn how to even read the Bible, much less to really study it. Well, I think you kind of addressed it earlier. When we... Obviously, as Christians, we are defined by the Word of God as our source of authority. But how do we develop that love for that? We, when we first become Christians, we might know that the Bible is something important, but do we really know what it is and, and how valuable it is? And uh, something that's really stuck in my head, and I have to dwell back on it constantly, is that we are simply defined, as I said before, by the Word. We're made by the Word. It's our source of authority. I think that's best encapsulated by Deuteronomy 8.3, which says, Man does not live by bread alone, meaning the things of this world, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Hmm. So that there, in, from the words of God himself, says it's awfully important. Yes. And we know that when we become Christians, we have that new heart with new desires. The heart of stone is taken out, the heart of flesh is put in. And those are God's desires that he gives us. 
And if we are defined by the word, if we are made by the word, I think one of the things that God really wants us to have, and he gives us that desire, if we only ask for it and pursue it, is a love of the word. And I, I know that I can just tangibly, there are times that when I operate in my flesh or in a worldly way, and I think, oh, I've got that drudgery mindset, oh, I've got to read the word of God, or I've got to study or prepare for sermon or something like that. I tend to fall into that. But once I do get into it, oh, it's so refreshing. It's so amazing. I think, this is so wonderful. Why did I wait? This is amazing. And over the course of my life now, I've been a Christian for 13, 14 years. I've come to break that threshold a little bit easier more every time. And so really just keeping it key. My life is not my own. I'm bought with the precious blood of Christ. He gives me my marching orders through the Bible. And that's more important to me than any physical sustenance or anything else in the world. And I want to be like Christ. That's the sum of my, the love of my life, that new heart with new desires. And where do I learn from him? From his word, the Bible. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, um, I think those are good points. And, um, you know, one thing I know that that's for sure is that it is, you are having to fight the flesh. Uh, not everybody, um, you know, when they approach the word of God, uh, do it with, you know, zeal and with fervor. Uh, you know, once in a while you'll meet a Christian and, and they get set on fire and that's all they want to do is just study their Bibles and read theology and learn. And, you know, you can't stop them. And those kind of believers, it's just, it's so refreshing because you don't have to do much. You just have to kind of point them in the right direction and they really just go. But for a lot of people in the church, they really struggle with, with getting into it. I think partially because they might not know how to approach the Bible, but also they might not have the desire. You know, I remember I used to uh, minister uh, to men. I used to do youth, uh, excuse me, uh, men's ministry. And so many times, you know, we would meet and they would say, I know I should be in my Bible. and I feel bad about it. And they have all the, all the reasons why they couldn't and, you know, so on and so forth. But they were just plagued with the guilt because they knew they were supposed to, but they, did, they didn't really want to or they didn't prioritize it. So one thing um, early on when I started to, to love the word, I became a Christian a while ago, but really started to love the word about, you know, eight or nine years ago. Um, was was to actually pray, you know, and, and have get to a place of repentance and acknowledge. I mean, the repentance is is an acknowledgement of the mind. It's a changing of the mind for the purpose of changing your direction. Um, and actually get on your knees and, and just talk to the Lord and just say, Lord, I, I don't love your word the way I should. And just be honest before God. And I think there's something to that, to just be honest, call it what it is, say, Lord, I don't love this but then turn around and ask him to give you desire, to pray specifically for desire. And I remember when, uh, when that idea was given to me, I read about it actually in a book, and I, I spent about a week just praying to the Lord, Lord, give me desire for your word. I, I don't love it. Please give me desire. And about a week after I started to pray that, I just, uh, I just had this insatiable fire to just read and learn, and, and I just couldn't shut it off. And so I think there is partially an obedience of faith to get into the Word and to study it and to put in the effort. That takes effort. But there's also um, there also is a spiritual component whereby God can give you a love and a desire for His Word. And so I think those two things, uh, like everything else in the in the Christian life, there is a an obedience component on our part. But boy, you know, God really has to move. He really has to to give you. Uh, a desire he really has to move uh, to help you to understand. We have illumination by the Holy Spirit, so 
Uh, praying for desire was was so pivotal uh, for me and learning to study the Bible for sure. I like what you said there, Nate, and I'm going to analogize it to another scripture where Jesus was talking about he was healing the, the boy that had an unclean spirit in Mark. And the father, when responding to Jesus, just said, all things are possible for those who believe. He mm -hmm. said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so right. he gets it, but he doesn't get it. But he thinks he, he knows he should get it, but he knows the one who can help him. And that, that's all we can do is turn to him. And I've many times when I'm in a moment where I'm not doubting or not believing or having a lack of desire, I don't love the word as I should, Lord. I still do this from time to time. I'll say, Lord, in so many words, I know I should be doing this. I believe, but help my unbelief, my distrust, my lack of desire here. Lord, you've got to change me. Please help me do this, and please help me to be disciplined and to love your word more. I'm convinced that that is one of the prayers that God will uh, always answer. Um, Again, it's it's hard to it's hard to to say that the Lord will or will not do something, but um, you know, if a person is earnestly seeking Him and and is praying that an earnest prayer to love the Word, because that's what He wants from us. Like that is God's will that we would know Him. I mean, that's what Jesus said in John seventeen three: Eternal life consists of knowing the Father and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. So uh, God's desire. I mean, I think Christians sometimes fight, like you know, kind of like we're talking about and sort of feel defeated but in the end god is for you in this regard he wants you to know his word uh if you're if you're in christ and so um i know we keep on kind of batting this around but i i really do think it's so important i think so many christians get discouraged and uh for those of you listening to the podcast right now if you're discouraged and, and you're struggling to get into your bible um take the pressure off you know don't stress out about it just stop what you're doing and just start to pray and ask him to help you. And God is faithful. Uh, he will help you. And uh, just keep on at it. Don't, don't be discouraged. Don't be frustrated. I totally agree with you there. And one of the things that has helped me in that regard when I do find times of struggle is to uh, look at Psalm 1 and Psalm 119 especially and, mm. and ask to have that heart. You know, Psalm 1, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Is in, On his law, he meditates day and night. And because of that, he's a, like a tree planted by water, yielding fruit. And I, you know, Lord, that's, I, I want to be that. Help me. <laughs> and open yeah. the word up to my eyes as I read it. And, um, you know, especially when, when, you know, when I've tried to dig into one of the more uh, challenging books or passages uh, and you know the things that are more didactic, more teaching type, as a, as opposed to narrative. Uh, you know they're harder to read sometimes. The narrative mm -hmm. that's pretty easy to read narrative. I mean you get into the things that you know you have to think about every little clause and how it's put together. It's really easy to get confused or or reading. You know so many folks. You know you, you say open your Bibles to Leviticus or Deuteronomy and and guaranteed that there will be a couple of groans in the group. Because, you know, we've experienced reading that and, and having to, to struggle through and, and not understanding it. And I think that taking into that, going into that moment of prayer before you open the word is one of those keys, especially for a new believer to, to, to through prayer, submit to the word. Lord, show me in here what I need to see. You know, open up and you use the word illumine. You know, light up what I need to see here to understand you better mm -hmm. and to read to understand God better rather than understand myself better. 
think is another right. really important part of that. As I first started, you know, it was Nate, you you mentioned about eight, nine years ago. Mine was a little bit longer than that, not a whole lot, uh, that I started to really get into to being able to study the word and, and, and draw things out of it rather than just read it. Uh, and one of the things that helped me was, was the Life Application Study Bible. Uh, and so I was curious, your all's thoughts on Study Bible and, and the place that they fall. And again, right now we're talking about the new believer, um, but to, to train the mind in, in how to understand and to, to piece things together. I think sometimes, especially new believers, don't have those threads connecting different parts of the text. And, you know, now I read something in uh, one of Paul's letters or in James or, or uh, later in the New Testament, and my mind automatically echoes back to the Old Testament. And I, I don't have to go looking up all the references because my mind's already thought of that reference as I read it. And so I don't have to go back and look it up every time as I study. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, depending on the what I need it for and what I'm working on. Uh, but you know, as we're starting to develop that that connective tissue between the 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 word, uh, or what other tools, maybe besides study Bibles, are there that that folks could drive, grab a hold of to use? Uh, Nate, let's start with you on that one. Yeah, so I, I do think that study Bibles are really helpful. My the first Bible my mom ever bought me when I was a kid uh, was an old. Ryrie Study Bible, and I, I used that from the time I was about eight or nine years old. Um, I would just, I, I say I, I started to love the Word more recently, uh, but I was reading and learning about the Word when I was a kid. Uh, it just never really took, uh, and I didn't really love it. It was more just kind of out of the, the scholarship doing it because you had to do it for Awanas or whatever, you know. Um, but, you know, Study Bibles are incredibly helpful. Uh, I mean, they're there. We, we've had study Bibles as back as, as the Geneva Bible. I mean, probably even earlier than that, but just the idea of having text in, inside of it on the, on the sidelines to sort of help direct your, your thinking and to teach you and to help you. One caution I think that, that I would, um, would give would be, um, especially with a brand new believer who's never read the Bible before, this seems like such an obvious thing, but make sure that you tell them which of the text is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative Word of God, and which is the comments from the editor. Um, I remember um, somebody was uh, gave my sister uh, a MacArthur Study Bible, so, you know, invaluable resource, but gave, gave the Bible, and, you know, if you've read MacArthur Study Bible, a large portion of it is study notes, uh, which for the student is really helpful, but when she opened it up and looked at it, this was when she was a new believer, when she opened it up, differentiating between okay which is the text and which is the note and uh and so really to uh to be able to number one walk a person through okay this is uh this is inerrant and authoritative this is not <laughs> you make sure that distinction is clear um but i i personally um prefer a study bible with a lot less notes you know something uh a note that's that's giving clarification on something but in just in a minor way i really don't want to have um, the editor uh, guiding all of my thinking about the text. I really want to read the text for what it is, and if I have questions about a word or a phrase, have a little note down there. But uh, I think less is more. That's again just my personal preference. Uh, and then you know, if you have a uh, a text that you want to do more exhaustive study, uh, then you can you know go to other resources. And you know, I get I get 
notes from people in my own church will just say, I have a question about this passage, and I can work through that with them. Um, I think that's an opportunity for, for more discipleship. But uh, I'm a less is more kind of guy when it comes to study Bibles, uh, even though I think that they are uh, valuable. Um, and the reason I, I can say that about MacArthur's study Bible is because I have all 33 of his commentaries, and so I don't, I don't, I don't really need the, the study Bible anymore because I've, I've got his full thoughts on it. So I'm probably cheating when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> to follow on your concern, Nate, with what is inspired versus uninspired, something that was kind of illuminating to me when I first became a real Christian was to understand that there's no difference between the red letter words of Jesus versus all of the other texts of Scripture. It's not right. any more important. Right. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching right. and, all, and all the rest. So having that in mind, that really opened my eyes up to more like, oh, it's not just the words of Jesus or it's not just the New Testament. It's the whole Bible is inspired. And, and something else that really was an eye-opener to me at the time, just to step this back a little bit, was uh, not only the concept of sola scriptura, where you know all of Scripture, again, is profitable, like we said, breathed out by God, but also the concept of uh, tota scriptura. And all of Scripture, all, all 66 books of the Bible, are preserved by the Holy Spirit and is profitable for us today. And to, to use the words of John MacArthur, you have to use all of scriptural language, Old and New Testament, to explain other scriptural language in its own context. You use Bible language and Bible phraseology to explain and understand other Bible language and phraseology, both Old and New Testament. And there's an amazing synchrony and harmony that comes from all that. And you really learn to see that, wow, this is one God. You know, it's not just you know, the, the, the graceful God of the New Testament versus the wrathful God of the Old Testament. No, you get to see it's one plan of salvation. It's one work of redemption. It's one creative act of God's creation and glorification from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's one work. And mm -hmm. when you see that harmony together there, you, it, it, it unfolds in, a, in an amazing way, and it fuels your desire to learn and know and be more like him. Yeah. Yep. And then just kind of a side thought, too, this is really a piece of scripture that on the first or second reading uh, doesn't seem to be as profitable. You know, say you're in the genealogies of, you know, uh, Chronicles or, uh, you know, whatever it may be, a text that seems just kind of off. You know, you read Esther and you're thinking, boy, they don't even talk about God and Esther. Like, what's the deal? Uh, I think a lot of times um, when you get to those those texts, that can actually be a lot of fun because you know that's been preserved for thousands of years for a reason. Uh, if you've been taught this, you know that it's inspired by God. Like you just said, it's all profitable, as it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. But the, the challenge is, okay, how? How is this profitable? Why, why did God preserve four chapters of names? Why, why did he do that? Uh, you know, what, what, what's, the, what's the catch? And I think that can actually, you know, instead of, of shying away from difficult passages, and, and I would even dare say, uh, what what seem to be boring passages to actually look at it and say, okay, what am I missing? There's something here that I'm not seeing and I want to find it. It's like looking at the Where's Waldo pictures. He's here somewhere. I just have to figure out where. Um, and actually looking for why why did God put this here? And then when you start to under, un, un, uncover those things, boy, that can be a lot of fun. Some of the most uh, rich times that I had when I was I was studying through the book of Leviticus for I don't know two three months. And um, I knew it was going to be challenging. I'm thinking, okay, I'm in Leviticus. This is going to really be hard. But some of the, the best 
uh, devotional times I've ever had in scriptures actually came out of Leviticus um, because it was I was I was seeing things I never seen before. But I went into it with the idea I want to understand why this book is here, and, I, and then I started to read that with Hebrews, and I'm thinking, oh, that's why this book is here, and it just opened up. But um, so yeah, I would again encourage the listener if, if you're stuck on a passage that you just don't understand why it's there, uh, dig in. Like, don't be discouraged. Dig in. Uh, ask for help, and uh, and you might actually see that the, these things uh, it does fit together just so beautifully. And uh, we're never going to see all of it in this life, but. Um, Boy, when we find that kind of stuff, it's pretty neat. The name of the podcast is Simmering Thoughts, and it's supposed to be go. kind of a slow cook, slow to understand, because we are. We're, we're finite people trying to understand the infinite God. Like yeah. I said, we're never going to get it all here in this world. Right. Something that's really helped me, either when I've, I started doing it when I started preaching, but I've also ad- adopted in kind of my own personal time of study is that I will read a particular passage or chapter, even a whole book, over and over and over and over and over and glean every last possible little detail in that, not only for itself, but also in the context of what the whole purpose of the chapter or book is. And it, it's profitable every single time. There's always more that I'm learning, I could read it something a hundred times and I'd probably still get more out of that because the word of God is just so, it, it's such a deep well of wisdom and information about the infinite God. And so mm. that is something that we can do is just don't rush through it. Just read something until you get it and mm. use other tools here and there, but read it over and over and over. God's word does not return void. He is molding and changing you from it. He is washing you with his word. Even if you don't necessarily realize it at the time, it's going to have application that carries on in your thinking and your language, the words you use, hopefully for the rest of your life. Mm, amen. One of the things that's helped me a lot with that, and I, I hesitate to buy Bibles without it, and that is the reference column. Mm. Uh, for me, that those references, and I have uh, several different Bibles that have them, and the references aren't all the same, which is even more fun to me. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. you know, one translation will use one set of references and the other translation will use a different set. And with, especially with the new tools we have with, or newer tools with Logos and Olive Tree and the, the different, uh, online Bibles that, that are available and the different apps, uh, Olive Tree has a, a and I don't, I don't use Logos because I just, I don't have the, the ability to spend that much money up front. Uh, but with Olive Tree being able to pull up their resource guide, and have each translation, you know, with a click of the button, I can see all the references they have quickly and easily, and it pulls them right up on screen for me. But even, you know, doing it the old school way and digging in and, you know, flipping back and forth, um, you know, especially if you're reading more than just the one verse that it goes back to, you know, it might tell you it goes back to verse five. Okay, start at verse one and read till verse 10. So you understand a little bit more of where that's coming from as it pieces together. And I think that's some of what ties the sinews together from, from over here to over there. You start to piece, you know, I keep, you know, in the New Testament, I keep going back to the same section in Isaiah. We keep coming back here a lot. Why? You know, I, I keep, you know, Paul keeps mentioning these things and, the, and I keep ending up in, in these few places that, that are over here. What's the connection between the two ideas? And uh, I, that, to me, is something that's been very helpful, is to, to lean on those references. 
And, you know, some of it is that I, you know, those that are uh, struggling readers may, that may not be a, a great tool. They may do better with a study Bible, especially at first. But as I started to get used to the study Bible, being able to piece those, uh, those scripture references in and, and tie thoughts together has made a big difference. And I think, Chris, to what you were saying is that that helps us see the whole, the whole Bible as one work rather than 66 separate works. Uh, and to, to, to get that unification to that. together uh, of the word. Uh, and, you know, mentioning that, a thought came to my mind of, of mentioning the translations. Uh, and Nate, you had mentioned uh, having a less is more study Bible. I have uh, recently, you know, over the last year or so, uh, I bought the uh, New English translation, the Net, uh, on Olive Tree and got their study notes. And they actually get into, there's, they have different types of notes. Some are study notes and some are actually just straight translation notes. And they'll go through and explain, they'll give you the Greek word and then explain why they chose the way they did it and some of the other options that they could have chosen. They won't just give you, this is the one we chose. We could have gone with any of these three. And so as I'm getting better at piecing things together, you know, that wouldn't be something that a new reader need, a new, a new person studying the Bible would need. But as you get better finding those, those little uh, things like that, you know, I don't know Greek, I don't read Hebrew. Uh, and so having those opportunities to see somebody else's work and, and kind of look at their, their process of choosing what they chose and then, okay, now what does that look like in the new American what does that look like in the English standard? What does that look like in the, the Christian standard about the NIV? And being able to compare those notes, I, I start to get a much deeper, instead of looking at a 2D picture, now I'm starting to pick up the depth and see in three dimensions. And that for me has been, that kind of took me from being an intermediate study into what I think is, is starting to become more advanced. Uh, and and has been very helpful to understand. I would say for the beginning Christian, that having multiple translations can be helpful. And it would it would help that if we are beginning to disciple somebody, we I think there's a place to share what various translation philosophies are, mm -hmm. uh, word for word or more formal equivalents, which is what I prefer, versus a more dynamic or kind of thought for thought equivalents, which can eventually tended to be like a paraphrase. But it, especially with some solid tried true translations that have uh, really withstood the test of time, it, it's good to compare and contrast the two, and we can see what the semantic range of those Greek and Hebrew words are without having to go into the depth of notes for those people who just cannot grasp that or want to get that deep. But if they read various different translations of it, kind of side by side or read one and then the other, they can say, oh, I get the gist of that now more. And they're able to understand it better. I would just add one small thought. Um, please stop reading the message, <laughs> listeners. Amen to uh, that. Just just stop. You know, it's, it's not a good translation. Uh, and the thoughts themselves are really uh, outdated. So uh, that would be my pastoral encouragement to you. <laughs> Uh, find a Bible that's actually been translated and uh, go with that. <laughs> the danger is with translations that, so-called translations that are in reality paraphrases, 
is that you get more and more into the theology and mind and the thoughts of the individual versus what God's was. That's Somebody may translate it theologically incredibly sound, but generally we want less of us and more of God. And so keeping the pattern of sound words that you know, Paul exhorted Timothy, keep the pattern of sound words as the translation philosophy as close to that as possible. Generally, you can't go wrong with that. I think that kind of plays into uh, one of the other things that I wanted to, to talk about is the difference between uh, just reading scripture and studying scripture. Uh, for me, uh, you know, that, that time period between 15 and, and eight years ago, as I was really starting to dig into the word uh, and, and be able to study it for myself, one of the things that started me into that path was was having a time where I would just just straight read an entire book. But I found that that I would do a I would have an easier time straight reading one of the books with more, one of the more dynamic uh, translations. And I, I found for that purpose of straight reading, uh, the New Living Translation and the New Century Version, were pretty good for that. I could I could sit and I didn't have to I didn't have to wrestle the text to get through some of the sentences, especially in the more challenging passages. Uh, but I could get the feel for the overall section, and then I would take that after I've read it and and read through it and had a little bit of chance to let that simmer. Then I could pick up something that was a more formal equivalent, a word more word for word. Uh, like the New American Standard, which is at the time what I was really using that for. Uh, and I could then take that and, okay, now that was the general idea. Let me get into the, the more specific, almost like going through uh, progressive strainers to pull out more and more things. You know, start with something that has the, the little bit bigger holes so I don't have to, to sort through quite as much stuff. Okay, now let me go a little bit finer and a little bit finer. Uh, and for me, that has been something that even now, sometimes as I first start to study a book, I'll go back to one of those more dynamic translations and get the, the feel for the passage before I really start to dig into to what's underneath it. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to, is there anything you'd like to add to that or if something that you've used that kind of does that same process? Um. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're both sort of chewing on that. <laughs> well, let me tell you something that I've found especially profitable in, in my life in that. Knowing that, I, I use the term toto scriptura, scripture is the same, same inspired, same message, Old and New Testament, the same phraseology that's used. And I like to do word studies to really connect that, the whole concepts. And, uh, for example, I just recently did a study on uh, probably the biggest, the deepest one I've done recently was on the concept of what does it mean to be gracious? And so it's got a root word in the, in the Old and New Testament, Hebrew and Greek, that really speaks to the concept of grace. And, and it's specifically it's done in the context of salvific grace and how when we were to be gracious, we're always to bring people to Christ and greater Christ-likeness. And we see that old and new. And so it's really, we, we, when we see that God's word is the same, same author, the Holy Spirit, narrated, not narrated, but inspired through 66 different 
books by 40-something human authors. We see that it's really the same message and that God is doing the same thing ultimately. And it really bolsters our confidence. And it really helps me to lay some of those foundation blocks for my hope, my faith, knowing that this is timeless. This is unbreakable. This is really consistent. This is not something that clever men could have put together. This is something that is more and more reinforced all the time. This is the word of God, and it's not returning void. He is accomplishing exactly what he wants to with it. And I'm learning and I'm profiting from it, and I get to then share that with others. And I do so in the context of either teaching, evangelizing, discipling others. Really, it's it's given me a love for the Lord more, seeing the, the coherency of, of God's one redemptive plan in, in all of its myriads of details that really has given me a, a love and understanding of how amazing his grace is and how great he is and this great plan of salvation that I can't help but want to pray and encourage others to read the Bible and have it transform them as it has me. Mm. Amen. I don't know if I have much to add. I think both of your comments on that is very are very good. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, the, it's amazing as I've as I've grown in studying, um, and and I I think I don't know if I've mentioned this on an episode once. I won't a whole lot, uh, but this actually plays into this particular topic. Um, I was uh, diagnosed ADHD way, way back when I was young. So like early 80s uh, is when my diagnosis came in. And so I've, I've lived with it my whole life uh, and known I've had it. Um, and it's something where as I study, I have a terrible time getting into the routine of study. And, and once I get into it, I have a hard time staying focused. But once I do get focused, it's like laser focus. Uh, and what will happen sometimes is I will get into a season of either super intense to the point that I wear myself out or I'll have a hard time getting very deep because I get distracted and I just I just skim the top. And so I'll get into one of those ruts and it's it's difficult for me sometimes to jolt out of that. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm able to, to really dig into a particular book uh, and and go through with a fine tooth comb and, and verse by verse uh, journal out what I'm seeing and, and what I'm learning. And then sometimes I'll I'll struggle just to read through a chapter because my mind is bouncing all over the place. Sometimes it's bouncing in the word all over the place. Sometimes it's bouncing through the rest of my day and I have a hard time settling uh, and and. What I found is that if I try to do those long form for my personal learning style, if I try to do a long form study, uh, and I think to a, a good degree, newer uh, folks that are approaching Bible study and are early in that process, uh, trying to tackle an entire gospel may be a little bit heavy of a challenge to start with. And I think where we start and and what we try to do with it, I think are really uh, important to the to process of having early having some success at it and gaining some confidence in reading the Bible helps to keep going with it and it helps to get even deeper as you grow 
to have that confidence. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I have started to do, especially as I've, I've started to notice that pattern and have learned around it, uh, is to uh, set up one of the shorter books or two or three in between doing one of the longer books. And to try to, I, I do find myself doing an easier time if I journal. Uh, I've been working very slowly through Mark. I, I get a few verses at a time and I don't do do that particular study more than a couple times a week um, and and journal out what are the, how does this connect how does this little chunk connect back to what has been happening in this whole sequence but then when I get into one of the letters where it's a little bit shorter usually I can you know focus in on an individual verse and I can go through a whole bunch of them in a row because it's shorter I feel like I can dig in a little bit more and so just just understanding that, you know, there's there's uh, you don't have to go at, you know, 35 feet deep all the time. It's OK to go at a foot, but to make sure that you're you're taking an overview, if you know that's what you're going to do and try to piece together the, the larger picture and knowing how much time you've got. I, mean, I think sometimes we hear the word Bible study and we think, you know, I need to sit down for an hour with the word open. And, you know, some folks have a hard time focusing for that long in reading anything. Uh, you know, we've gotten to the point in, in society to a degree where, uh, you know, newspaper articles are getting shorter. Uh, art, things we read online are getting mm -hmm. shorter. Our books are getting shorter. Uh, and so there's not that that ability to sit down and read 200 pages or, you know, in the case of Isaiah, I, you know, there's not a lot of folks that are going to be able to sit down and read and study that in, um, you know, the course of, of even a few weeks and to, to set that time enough time and not really feel rushed. You're, uh, I think it was Nate was saying earlier, just to, to slow down, not be in a rush as you study. Uh, and I think having that, that not needing to finish a whole chapter every day. Um, we hey, see so Ryan, many I agree with you that way. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I totally agree with you. And one of the areas that we really need to, it, it helps us when we study the Word of God, is to know our thinking styles. You described how you kind of think, and I tend to go in that direction as well. And I've noticed as we've entered this age where we're constantly attached to our electronics, we're constantly attached to, in the case of at least the three of us, social media. I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to speak necessarily for the two of you, but for me, I've noticed that my attention span has gotten shorter. I've noticed that my focus has gotten shorter over the years, and that's a bit alarming to me. And so I've literally had to take some steps to address that so that I don't get distracted by the things of the world. We, we know Satan works not only to, to deceive us, but he also works to distract us. And I think mm. a lot of the worldliness that we have is just the busyness of constant information that comes at it. And so something that I do when I primarily study, and granted, I, I, I've never had the opportunity to have an extensive uh, electronic library like Logos or something like that, but one of the mental techniques that I use to keep myself focused is that, at least primarily, when I study, when I read, I use a paper Bible and not electronic. That way it's not easy to click over to the next tab and see what's going on in the world or on social media or something like that. And so it's easy for me to keep you know, my mind on the text as I see it, the, the whole chapter, the whole book potentially in front of me. 
something else I do to aid in that is I tend to study when, when I'm disciplined enough to do it. I'm bivocational as a, as a pastor and church planner myself, so I have to deliberately carve out time, and it's always a challenge to do that. But I tend to do some of my heaviest study first thing in the morning. There's not much going on. There's nobody in the house to distract me. My seven kids aren't constantly asking for attention. My wife's probably asleep in the bedroom. I have an undivided, quiet house, and I have all the attention I want to give to Scripture, which is really good. Even social media, even you know, the news cycle is not that busy overnight, so I've got nothing to distract me. And then as well, something that I will even use when I find myself, when I find my thoughts wandering, is I will, and this was something I learned from um, a professor at Southern Seminary, Don Whitney, is to pray through Scripture, pray over Scripture. As we see the text unfold before us, some of the techniques that I would use are, Lord, help me to think this way. Help me to understand it. Help me to be gracious and kind. Help me to have this level of devotion that Abraham did. Help me to be meek as Moses was. Help me to be as long-suffering as Paul was. Whatever it is in that specific scripture or context. Lord, apply this to me. You know, this is in here. I know, based upon what I have already know from my theology, that it's profitable for me. Help me to understand why it's profitable for me. And sometimes we have to do that really slowly, especially in some of those uh, narrative passages where we don't always see the, the purpose and the connections of it. Just pray through it and go through it slowly. God will honor the sacrifice that we take to read his word. He, it does not return void, and, and reminding ourselves of that over and over and over is exactly what we need to become more like Christ. You have seven kids. I do. That's wonderful. I'm blessed beyond what I deserve. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's fantastic. I know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm easily dis- I'm distracted here, but uh, uh, <laughs> when you said that, I'm thinking, man, I can't even get. I have two little ones, and I can't even get five minutes. I'm like, how does this guy do it with seven? My goodness. But that, I, I've got one, and I struggle. Uh, yeah, amen, so, amen. You know, I, I think I think maybe what happens is when you get past, like, four or five, you just kind of shut down, and you just don't hear anything anymore. Maybe that's true. I don't even know. <laughs> There's some economies of scale that come with it. My wife yeah, and I used, right. to, used to joke that. When the Lord wanted to sanctify us some more, he would give us another kid. And <laughs> that, no, we would expect about 20 more. But uh, yeah, yeah, right. the, the distractions really are there, not just from that, but just from all of us, you know, the busyness of our lives. And so we've yeah. really got to realize what God says, how important his word is. And even if we don't get it, even if we don't care about it at the time, that's when we go back and say, Lord, I know what you say. I may not feel it or I may not want to, but you've got to change me in this a little yeah. Help yeah. me to understand you and help me to find these specific little ways and techniques where I can not be distracted, where I can learn the most and make it the most profitable for me here, Lord. Arrange my life in your providence such that I have no choice and also no desire other than to want to learn it. And yeah. let me persevere in finding that way. One of the things so, that I, I think where God shows his absolute wisdom is in this area. And that is taking a mental and physical Sabbath during the course of your life. And, you know, and to have those times, 
you know, he set aside one day and, you know, we need to, there's a lot of debate as to how that looks and that's a totally different podcast. But I think the, the principle of having times to allow your mind to lay still and whether that is that we need to find more silence time in our life, whether that's to uh, have an opportunity to uh, spend more time in prayer, which I think both go together. And I think those then lead into scripture reading, but to intentionally put times of silence in your day and in your week that um, that allow you to, as the podcast is called, allow your thoughts to simmer just a little bit, uh, to, to not be constantly running on uh, uh, right up on the edge of the speed limit, but to pull back a little bit. Uh, one of the things that, that I was somewhat forced into a few summers ago was that uh, we had some guests living with us in the house for a summer and uh, it was a full house and in order to get some quiet time in order to to have some some time that I could at least just let my mind settle I spent a lot of time on the front porch and I would sit out and I'd take a bible with me or I'd take my phone with me with the bible on it and I would sit down and I would I was able to develop a habit of of having that time uh, and as as the years have progressed since then, uh, I've still found that that first hour or so when I first get home, uh, I'm in a lucky position that I live real close to home. My wife commutes. And so, you know, I've got an hour and a half when I get home. She's not home yet. Gives me an opportunity to to sit and at least spend 15 to 30 minutes of quiet time. And my son is really good about when he gets home, he wants quiet time, too, because we've been out at school so we sit down and we have that opportunity just to sit and be quiet for a little while and rest. And then we start to get uh, about our day. And not everybody has that opportunity. I'm, I'm lucky to have that time then. But I've also started to get up an extra little bit early to help get the house put together and get, get moving out the door, get lunches ready. And so in doing that, now I'm ready earlier. And so once my wife leaves the, the house, I've got another 20 minutes before I have to leave. And so that gives me 20 minutes to be able to sit down and finding those little bits of five to, to 15 to 20 minutes in my day uh, has made a real difference for me to have that consistency. And if I miss one of those times to not get down on myself about it, uh, this morning, for example, we had left our car at church yesterday because we left town right after morning service and, and did not make it back until way after dark. It was time to come in and, and just go to bed. So we decided to get up extra early and go pick up our car. Well, I didn't have that time at home this morning. I took as much as I could when I got to work. But I, you know, I don't feel bad about missing one day because I know tomorrow I can be right back into my routine. And to be, to be intentional tomorrow, to not miss two days in a row. Because two days... It's easier for two days to become three than it is for one day to become two. Um, the, the habit becomes a whole lot easier to ignore. Uh, and so that's one of the things that, that as I've grown older, I've found those little bit of time, you know, that 15 minutes. If I can to, to, to get and touch back on the verse that I read this morning uh, over lunch and just look at it and, and have an opportunity to think about that a little bit or something from that passage that helps me. Uh, keep myself moving during the day. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think finding those opportunities and as you said, learning how our learning style works. Uh, some folks need more study time than they need uh, straight reading time or devotional type reading. Uh, 
Uh, and some folks, the study time may not be where they need to spend their time, and the, the devotional may be where their heart is needing the most uh, mending, I guess you could say, uh, where the Lord is working on healing with them or working on uh, repentance, really. Sometimes from the deep study, uh, I get principles of of how to organize myself, but I don't always feel the 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 salve of the Holy Spirit healing me. Whereas sometimes I read that whole passage rather than focusing on four verses. All right, now I'm reading two chapters. I'm not really studying, but I'm reading, and I can f I get the 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 Holy Spirit is able to then work in me through those verses more immediately rather than thinking broad picture. It's a more it's interesting, the larger the chunk I read, the more targeted the Holy Spirit works on me, the more targeted I read, the more broadly in terms of how I see the world, uh, it changes. And that's not, you know, it's not true for every situation, but it's a, a general rule that I've found as I read. Well, I just want to piggyback on kind of a, a concept that you, that both of you brought up too, is, um, you know, not to, not to put pressure to, to beat up on yourself if your Bible study doesn't go uh, the way that you hope it would go, um, again, that's not to, to take uh, take the responsibility off. Um, but, you know, it, imagine just for a second, you know, that you're going to go out on a date with your spouse and you want to get to know them better and you want to be closer to them. You know, if you say, okay, you know, Friday's our date night. We're going to go to this place. We're going to do this thing. We're going to have this dinner. And, and it just becomes a bunch of check boxes. You know, yeah, you've actually put in the time, but you might not actually have grown in your relationship and it becomes formulaic and it can be that way i think with studying the word of god and getting to know the lord um you know it can become formulaic and it becomes you know checking the box and uh, i know that's not what you guys were talking about specifically but uh, but i think a lot of times we we get legalistic and we can we can start to become uh, not as much obedient but really operating out of fear and and operating out of uh, a sense of um i don't know if obligation is the right word but I did my time, I did my thing, and, and I'm good to go. And, and then we start to get into these little ruts where, you know, a person's reading their Bible every day, but they might not feel like they're growing. And, uh, and to sort of pull back and take the pressure off and say, look, it's not about, um, you know, all of the different time and all the different things that I'm doing, but am I growing in my knowledge of God, you know, and, and uh, it, it might be a variable thing. I mean, it's uh, the Christian life is more like a garden than anything else. It, it, it has to be trimmed and pruned and grown here and grown there and water this and water that. And uh, it's very organic and it can be kind of messy. So, um, you know, to, to not put pressure to be legalistic and, and, and be regimented, even though the discipline is very good, um, but to also kind of give yourself some leeway to say, you know what, uh, I'm actually just going to chew on a verse today. Or, you know what, I'm just going to I'm going to sit down and read through the whole gospel of John because I've never done that before. Um, and just to even have some flexibility that remember that you're trying to be in a relationship with a person, uh, you know, a person who loves you, a person who made you and a person who's trying to speak to you. Uh, and, and don't forget that. Don't forget the, in the study part, that this is a relational thing. Uh, John Owen used to say that he, he likes to think about it, that he's sitting in the center and he's sitting in, in amidst the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he gets to commune with them. Uh, sort of sitting quietly uh, in his space. And, and that's how he approached even Bible study. And this is John Owen. Uh, but really, he was keenly aware that he was, he was in communion with the triune God. Uh, and, and so to, to not lose the communion aspect, to not lose the relational aspect, 
of studying the Bible, because if we did that with our spouses, uh, they wouldn't end up being very happy with us, I don't think. I'm so glad you've said this, Nate. I was actually going to touch on some of that as well. You obviously have a pastor's heart here, something that I've said to others as well, following the, the not legalistic aspect of it. While on one level, we do have a duty to study the Word of God. We are to study to show ourselves approved in that. But on another level, we know that we'll never know the Word of God well enough. We'll never be perfect as you know, he commands us to be. We'll never study the Bible enough. Will the Apostle Paul didn't evangelize enough. Charles Spurgeon didn't preach well enough. We don't have to be perfect in that sense. It's all about direction, not perfection. Jesus Christ, the one whom we have that perfect communion with, the one who is the sum and substance of our faith and hope and joy and life, he is the one who did it perfectly for us. And when we have that relationship with him, when we see the word of God as what it is, we see that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Yes, should we read the Word of God as much as we possibly can? Sure. We should have that supreme delight. But yet, we're still in the world. And, and, and there's no condemnation, as I said, but God loves us, and he is supremely pleased and delighted because we are in his Son, Jesus Christ. And when we put it in that framework of a delight and not a duty to use the, the John Piper language, that's when our real joy and motivation comes in studying the Word of God for what it is, that which brings light to us, that which brings joy to us, and that which brings us into the image of Christ. Amen. Absolutely. Well, I want to uh, take this opportunity uh, before I close us out and thank Nate, uh, especially for coming on with us and talking about this. Uh, this has been a very refreshing conversation for me. Yes, uh, thank you, and, Nate, very and much, am, and you, Ryan, too. Yeah, th I, this through three episodes uh, so far. Each episode has uh, I start, you know, right before I start to make the phone call to to start the recording, uh, my mind is going through, and of course, it's it's uh, uh, probably more than just my mind. I'm 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 probably suffering from the attacks of of uh, distraction that that we get from our enemy. And uh, I'm going through all the different things that have to happen and, and making sure I've got my mind straight. And uh, each episode so far, I have been so blessed as the conversation has moved on that, uh, you know, one, it's, it's been a, a, a deeper conversation and more robust than I could have hoped for. And uh, I, I'm just really oh, thrilled so far with each episode. And I want to thank you all for uh for just coming in and and having thought a little bit about it before we started and i know these are things we've been setting up in advance and so that's that's helped uh but to come in and and have uh things that are so helpful to say i want to thank you guys for doing that and also our guests from last week uh but i want to close today uh with with a thought from psalm 119 uh this is verses 25 and I'm going to read all the way to verse 32. Uh, it's one of the, the little eight verse chunks in here. Uh, and it says, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. 
I've set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me put, be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And I, I think as we, if we were to start our Bible study reading each, each time with a thought like that, um, and, 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 and really be prayerful about that as we go to some other portion of the text, uh, I think that uh, wherever you are in your Bible study journey, whether you are an abject beginner or whether you are well-seasoned, I think that attitude, that heart attitude, uh, is something that would, would deepen and, and enrich and uh, bring a, a wonderful flavor to the Bible study. And, and as you guys were saying earlier, that relationship with the Lord, being able to converse with him through the law. Uh, or through the word, uh, as it has it, it uses the word law in here, but through the word in general, all the way through. And uh, I am uh, always amazed at the, the the refreshing I get from the word when I do that, when I stop and uh, allow the word to work on me rather than me trying to work on the word. Uh, and so uh, with that, Nate, is there anything you'd like to add in as we close out? Soli Deo Gloria. <laughs> I think that's an excellent ending. Chris, anything you want to talk to? <laughs> to God alone be the glory. There you yeah, go. I think that covers yeah, it right there. Forever and ever. Well, on, on that note, uh, gentlemen, let's go ahead and close up. Uh, everybody, we, we want to thank you again for listening. Uh, we hope you're sharing the podcast with your friends. Uh, feel free to interact with us. Uh, through Twitter, through Facebook, uh, and we are uh, easily found, all three of us easily found on Twitter. We're all pretty active, uh, and you can find us there, and, and all of us are uh, folks that will interact. We want to thank you for listening. We hope that uh, what we've said today will help you as you study. Uh, we hope that you will dig into the Word and that you will be uh, blessed by it and that you will uh, fall before the Word in humility and that you will submit to it and that you will uh, praise the God who's uh, responsible for sharing his thoughts with us through the word. Uh, And so with that being said, as they have said, to God be the glory. Everyone have a wonderful week.